Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest is Sean Worthington, a professor, author of Beyond Bitcoin, and the president of CloudCoin Consortium, which is what we'll be talking about in a little bit. So don't go away. So on this week's tech news, a couple of big stories. First, I wanted to talk about Google made an announcement that they're going to support 100,000 scholarships for online certificates in such professions as data analytics, project management, and user experience. And this is on top of an existing certificate program they created in IT. And this is in order to empower people to get technology jobs especially women and minorities. They're actually going to have $10 million of funding given to three nonprofits, NPower, JFF, and the YWCA. Uh, The IT certificate is available, and the other three certificates I will announce as they come online. In just announced news, there was a major hack of Twitter in which virtually all the prominent Twitter accounts, so we're talking about President Obama, and Vice President Biden, and Kanye West, and a number of celebrities. There was a coordinated effort saying that they were going to give back to the community using Bitcoin. And so the hack was to send Bitcoin to a specific wallet address, and you would get double the Bitcoin back. Now, I don't need to tell you that this is a very risky move, especially if you don't understand cryptocurrency. In something like Bitcoin, once you send it out, there's no reason for the receiver to send it back to you unless there's some other fail-safe mechanism. So when you send out cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, don't expect it to come back. And you should really be careful in doing that. Also in big news is the U.S. Secret Service announced that they're forming their own cyber fraud task force to address the increase in financial crimes. It's not that there hasn't been other agencies that haven't focused on this, but it's that it's a big enough deal that the U.S. Secret Service felt that they needed to create their own task force because of the uptick in these types of crimes. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Sean Worthington, who is the president of the CloudCoin Consortium, the CEO of the Rata Protocol, a patented protocol, as well as the author of Perfect Money. Welcome back, Sean. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Sean, you have a really deep background in technology and in blockchain and in cryptocurrency. Um, I think you'll do a much better job going into how deep your background is than I am. So why don't you tell us how you got started and then how did you get into this space? I've been teaching computer science at a community college for about 20 years now. And most of that has been system administration, Cisco network routing, Microsoft, uh, Linux. And uh, in that time, I've learned a lot of protocols, including DNS and DHCP and all this kind of stuff. And um, I started studying philosophy with my daughter because we homeschool. And one day I was thinking about what is money because Bitcoin had come out and 
there were some politicians that were saying Bitcoin wasn't money and some politicians that were saying that only gold was money. And then we had Ben Bernanke, who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and he said gold was not money. So just thinking about it. And then uh, long story short, I figured out that monetary systems are information systems. And their job is to give information to people so that we can make decisions. It's to coordinate our activities. It's to make us more productive, make us more efficient. And money plays the role as data. And when I realized this, well, I'm getting a PhD in computer information systems. And so I realized that we could take all of this, the rules that apply to information systems, and we can apply that to a monetary system. And so I started looking at the blockchain, trying to figure out what was special about it. I realized it's a database. Yep. And what makes it unique? What's Why is the um, blockchain different than other databases? Well, it's got some unique qualities. One of the things about it is that it's got what I call data supremacy. So this is one of my concepts that I coined. And data supremacy means that you've got a database that nobody owns it. Nobody can turn it off. Nobody can uh, change the data. It's got complete integrity. And that means that even if we drop some nuclear bombs on it, it's still going to be there. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what other databases in the world have data supremacy? And I only, I only could find one, and that's the DNS system, so the Domain Name Service, which has been up and going, at least at the root level, since 1985. It's never gone down. And I thought, well, maybe we could make a currency based on the DNS system. And I created a new data structure that's called the RADA, which means the Redundant Array of Independent Detection Agents. And it is composed of 25 clouds all around the world in different jurisdictions like Australia and Singapore and uh, Germany and Russia and Argentina. You know, we've got all of these different clouds around. And um, so that's, that's where this started. And I, I hope that wasn't too long of a. No, no, it was great. And you know, it's funny. Um, I want I wanted to say a couple of things just because your background is fascinating to me. Um, you're from Chico, and many of uh, my listeners know that uh, one of my favorite companies I worked for was Cisco Systems. Um, such a favorite company that I actually own the Cisco Facebook alumni group. So any Cisco folks out there can always ask to join. And two things you said. One is uh, the majority of new college grads in IT during the dot-com years were hired out of Chico State, so your alma mater. And then, and then two, when you talk about DNS in 1985, I, I talked to some of the really, really, really early Cisco folks and executives, and they share stories all the time about what that period was like in quote-unquote internet history, right? Like the original people in Stanford uh, who were the same doormates as some of the very famous um, Sun Microsystems folks and how they would string their dorm flows together to make the first LAN, right? So this is all great. I mean, for people who really love uh, beyond just using tech, but understanding the history of tech, this is really fascinating. So it's been, it's been really good. So keep going. Yeah. And, and being a, an instructor is wonderful because I get to learn the technology in depth because if you want to teach it, you really have to know it in depth. And so Take, for example, the TCP IP protocol. This is a protocol that is designed to sol solve a nuclear war, to stand a nuclear war, and it works wonderfully. And the DNS is part of that, you know, application on that. It works great. But what we don't have is a way of storing data in a way that is secure, where no hackers can get to it, where no governments can shut it down. And that's what I think uh, the blockchain started to do. That's what we've continued to do with this rate of technology where we want to create data storage that is absolutely unhackable, uncensorable, 
and a very efficient, no fees, private, 100%. And I think that we've been able to accomplish that. Uh, that sounds like a tall order. So I'm sure there's going to be uh, a lot of folks who want to dig into the technology, the, the claims. And when I mean claims, not that it's doubtful, but more like just Absolutely. doing the due diligence and how that all works. Mm -hmm. So where is your project at? Well, we've been going for about three years now, and we've been going very slow. And one of the things that we decided to do is not do an initial coin offering. We figured that if our money is money, then we can just spend it. And so that's what we did. We hired a bunch of people who worked for CloudCoin and we spent it. And the result of that is that we have been going at a very slow rate, slower than I think most projects would have gone. But uh, that slow rate has also given us the ability to really figure things out and work out the technology. So we've been concentrating on creating the, the, the background data structure, which is the RADA, and also creating the client software. Uh, we've been moving into liquidity software, which is the ability to take CloudCoin in an exchange or in a bank or on a website, like for a merchant. And now we're starting to get into marketing. And so we just made a deal with the Transform Group. They're the biggest crypto marketers and, and strategy people in the world. And so now that's the direction we're going in, in the marketing. That's great. No, I, I have a great relationship with the Transform Group, so I'm glad you're under their, their wing. Um, what I want to do is I'm going to take a break. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest is Sean Worthington, president of the CloudCoin Consortium, CEO of the Rata Protocol, and an author of Perfect Money, as well as a professor. We're going to come back and talk a lot more with Sean because beyond just his project, Sean has a lot of knowledge, and we'll be even talking about uh, Perfect Money at the end of the show. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'll be right back with Sean, and we're going to talk about quantum computing. So don't go away. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My special guest today is Sean Worthington, who has a number of different hats. Sean is a professor. Sean has written um, a book. He's the author of Perfect Money. He is the president of the CloudCoin Consortium, and he's the CEO of the Rada Protocol. Welcome back, Sean. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, I want to ask you this question uh, because of your technical expertise. What is quantum computing, and where is it going right now? So, quantum computing is an amazing technology that allows us to do calculations that would take millions of years if we were to use normal computers. And this is a technology that has been developing. We've created our first quantum computer just a few years ago. But here recently, Honeywell just announced that they had a 64-bit quantum computer, which is about twice as much as uh, the one before it. And they say that they can multiply their qubits by 10 every year. And so that would mean that they could, by uh, 2022, have a 6,000-bit quantum bit. And it's reckoned that it would only take a 1,500 quantum bit computer to crack the blockchain. So that means that all, uh, all of these cryptocurrencies could be at risk as soon as two years. This is a shocking development, and nobody thought it was going to happen. It's very surprising. 
but it seems that this is this technology is evolving a lot faster than we thought it would. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I want to do some follow-up on that since you are the expert. One, that seems a lot faster than the initial projections of how fast quantum was going to develop. Absolutely. A lot of people thought it was going to happen in 10 years, 20 years. Seems to be a lot of money going into a lot of different companies. And Honeywell has apparently figured it out. And, and when you say uh, crack cryptocurrency, that includes Bitcoin. Yes. And so Bitcoin has a public ledger. And it might not be able to crack the entire thing, but it could certainly crack a, an account at a time. And so okay. if you had an account, or you, you might have lost accounts, if I was going to crack it, I'd probably try to find some lost accounts and crack those because you could get all the money out of there. So it certainly is a concern. And then this might or might not be related. I had just read that Japan had over or retaken the top spot in supercomputing. How is that related to quantum or not? It's closely related because the supercomputers can perform better than the quantum computers right now. But once we get quantum computers, those supercomputers are going to become irrelevant. Uh, you know, once we get enough of, of enough power to these quantum computers, once the price comes down, once we have enough of them, then of course those supercomputers have no value. Yeah, thank you for that. Thanks for the explanation. <laughs> Because uh, you think about all these stories when, when Bitcoin, switching topics a little bit, but when we think about Bitcoin, when it was reaching $20,000 per coin, uh, at that time, the jurisdiction that had the most expense to mine a single Bitcoin, it was still more expensive. I think it was South Korea. It was $26,000 to mine a $20,000 coin at the time. And so, yes. you think about, so you think about the, what we're talking about with supercomputers versus quantum computers and quantum being a revolutionary technology that completely transformed uh, what people have been spending a lot of their time with the last decade, that is fascinating. Yeah, it's going to allow us to answer a lot of questions that we couldn't answer because they were too complicated. There's too many possibilities. We're going to be able to optimize. But one of the side effects of that is that we can figure out the private key of blockchain accounts in, in minutes. Yeah. So that uh, is, a, is a concern. So as a risk manager, I, I suggest that people start to plan ahead and plan for their exit or potential, well, we actually say risk management exercise to mm -hmm. not have all of your, your eggs in uh, one basket in cryptocurrency. Yeah, it seems too bad to be true. You know, it seems like it, it couldn't happen, but I think it can happen. People have to realize that theoretically it can happen and that that technology is going faster than we expected it. So. I would be yeah, having an exit strategy because you don't want to be caught standing, you know, or holding the, uh, the bag as to, as to speak, you know. That's great. So I wanted to shift back to CloudCoin because I think it's a really interesting story since we're on this topic of technology of different types of protocols. So I wanted to go back. I know we talked about it earlier in the show. What's the genesis of CloudCoin and how does that differentiate it from um, some of the other well-known either cryptocurrencies or blockchains. What makes you uh, similar and dissimilar? So CloudCoin has a lot of unique characteristics that give it an advantage over cryptocurrency. And so the way that CloudCoin works, and we also just call it Rata coin or Rata-based coins, because instead of using the blockchain, we have the Rata. But the way it works is that I've got a file, and that file has 25 passwords on it. These are GUIDs. They're really impossible to guess. And 
I've got the file, so I'm the only one that knows those passwords. I want to buy something from you. I give you the file. Now you have the passwords. Anybody that has the passwords can change them, so you change them, and now you're the only one that knows the passwords. So anybody that has the passwords is the owner of a coin. And so this allows me to uh, trade without having usernames or logins and not to have a public ledger. And so that makes gives a cloud coin the first thing and that is 100% privacy. It's not pseudo privacy, it's 100% private, just like cash. And that's a big deal. With cloud coin, we have a fixed account. So there's never any inflation. And we have the ability to recover lost coins. So this is something that cryptos don't have, that we can submit our emails. And if we've embedded a hash of our email into the password, then it'll send the, the coins to our email. So we have the ability to recover lost coins. That's a big value that cryptocurrency doesn't do. Uh, because we're using a simple update command, basically just update the database, this happens so efficiently, there's no cryptography involved with it except for the transport. It is so efficient that we don't have to charge any fees. So that's wonderful. It's based on the DNS, and so it can handle the entire global population, and the transactions happen in just split seconds. It's really the fastest. In fact, uh, we have timed it as uh, reaching already the fastest authentication time in the world. So it's faster than Visa or, or anything else on the planet. It is quantum safe because it uses shredding, not encryption. Uh, and so if they do come up with these quantum computers, we might be the only ones standing. It is also theft resistant, which means that you can take your coins and instead of having a private key that if you lose, you lose everything, you can distribute your coins in different locations. That mitigates and uh, the, the, the risk of theft. And also, we have it patented. And that means that we're not going to have a whole bunch of copy coins going on. And so uh, we think that if there was an Olympics and he had all these categories, that we would win every single category when it comes to our currency against cryptocurrency. Well, thanks, Sean. I'm going to pause you right there and we'll come back with more. I have some follow-up questions. Uh, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest is Sean Worthington, a professor, author, and the president of the CloudCoin Consortium and the CEO of the uh, Rata Protocol. If you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about in today's show, email us at info at svin.biz. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll come right back with more with Sean Worthington. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My guest today is Sean Worthington, professor, author of Beyond Bitcoin, and the president of CloudCoin Consortium. We're talking about a digital currency in alternative to Bitcoin. In this week's Cyber Tip, I want to go back to earlier in the show. I talked about a hack on Twitter where many personalities, people such as President Obama, were tweeting through hacked accounts how they were going to give back to the community by doubling your amount of Bitcoin by sending Bitcoin to their specified address. This is always a very risky proposition in cryptocurrency. Usually in a decentralized network like Bitcoin, once you send it out, it's gone. And unless the person has a reason to send you your cryptocurrency back, don't expect it to come back. 
The second cyber tip I want to talk about this week is that malware was found by malware bytes in low-cost Android phones that are provided by the government. The model is an American Network Solutions UL40 smartphone, and it runs the 7.11 version of Android. It is virtually impossible to take the malware out of these phones. It's just another caution that as you might think you're getting a low-cost device or phone, and this isn't just because of the Lifeline phone, but in any of your devices that runs software, which is almost everything, just keep in mind that the firmware embedded in the phone might be at risk. And so you use all these devices at your risk, never assume that they're safe. Obviously for an iPhone, and I'm not just putting a plug for Apple, but since it's a closed system, usually if it affects one phone, it'll affect the entire system. Android, Google, their philosophy is a little bit different. They allow anyone to create devices on their platform. So there's just extra caution in using open source devices like an Android or other carriers or other phones. And that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Sean Worthington, who is a professor, author. He is the president of the CloudCoin Consortium and is CEO of the Rata Protocol. Welcome back, Sean. Thanks for having me. So just to catch people up, in today's show, we were talking about Sean's background in technology. Um, he's certainly done a lot around the networking protocols and authored a number of books. One thing that was we should go back on is his project, the CloudCoin Consortium, is a different take on what we think of in blockchain and cryptocurrency. And, and no matter how you feel about it, uh, we got into an interesting discussion last segment about quantum computing and how it's advancing much faster than people expected with the possibility to crack most blockchains and cryptocurrencies in as early as two years. I'm not trying to freak people out, but with the rate of advancement in the space, it's a possibility. So welcome back, Sean. Thanks for having me. So Sean, let's go further into some of the topics we had. Uh, we talked about quantum, we talked about the rate of change. What are some of the things that uh, people who I'll call maximalists in their uh, cryptocurrency of choice, let's, let's say Bitcoin maximalists, what are the, some of the things or objections they're gonna have to what CloudCoin and Rata are doing? So, so far the biggest concern has been centralization and the idea that if you have a currency that is owned by one person or, or something like that, that it could be brought down. And of course, for a currency to be a currency, it has to have data supremacy. It cannot be brought down by governments. It cannot be brought down by hackers. It cannot even be brought down by the people that created it. And blockchain has achieved that, and so have we with Rata. But they, they might take a look at our structure and not know if it's decentralized. And so we want to decentralize things because we don't want to have any systemic risk of failure. We can't have any one thing that goes wrong and the whole thing stops working. And that's why we have all these different clouds all over the world. If some kind of government comes in and sees it, seizes it, we've got 24 other ones. If somebody hacks into it, well, we've still got you know, lots of fault tolerance to deal with that. And so our data is spread out. It's decentralized on all these servers, except for the actual person that owns the coin. They've got all the data. And so uh, because this is an information system, people don't understand what decentralized information systems are. The DNS system is decentralized, and so is CloudCoin. Now, we do have a group of developers that program it, 
and we are able to quickly create code and change code and do things like that, and we can just you know put the uh, the code out there to the rate administrators. We think of the rate administrators as if they are the keepers of the town clocks. And so there used to be that you'd have these town clocks and somebody had to wind them up every day. We think that information systems have to be run by system administrators. They don't need to be run by governments. They don't need to run by be run by banks. And so it's, it's different than cryptocurrencies where you can, everybody can see the code and everybody can become an administrator. Here we've got uh, world-class administrators all over the world. Each one of them cannot hack the code, and we don't show the databases of every, you know what's what's where, and we don't even show the back-end code. And so anybody can have the front-end code, but uh, not the back-end code. So that's the biggest so, concern, I think. Yeah, I can see that, especially between centralists and decentralists. So then how do you give them comfort that your process uh, will make them feel comfortable in adopting CloudCoin? Well, one of the things that we see is a lot of currencies going towards having, instead of having uh, hundreds of thousands of different servers that all have to synchronize and that taking hours and hours and hours to having a few key servers. For example, EOS has 21. The term that they use for it is... Block producers. Yes. And so now you've got a, a small amount of servers that everybody goes to and it's much faster. And so it's the same exact thing. And... The way that we know it's going to work is because DNS has worked for, you know, since 1985. It has not gone down. And with DNS, you've got these 13 root servers. They're located in different countries. And if somebody was to take over one, like United States of America was to go in there and delete the .com domain or something like that, that's okay because we can just switch to the Japanese uh, root server. And it's the same way with the RADA. If you don't trust a rate, if it's been taken over by government, you just don't have to use it. And we can, they're redundant. So if one goes down, we can just bring up another one. And so by spreading the administrative effort all over the world in different jurisdictions, we gain the same kind of qualities that the DNS system has, globally scalable, uh, very quick. Well, you brought this up a couple of times about how uh, governments and how people feel about money. Um, how would... You know, first world countries governments view this versus third world countries. Well, right now, in almost every country that's first world, we have situations in which the governments and the banks have created agreements. Historically, governments have not been able to borrow money uh, freely. They've uh, they've had to bargain with banks, and banks have not been able to print up money freely. That was the government's job to put the king's, you know, head on there. And with the Federal Reserve System, this allows the banks to create as much money as they want and allows the government to borrow as much money as they want. And so they have a deal. And of course, they don't want to break the currency. They want to make sure that it doesn't inflate too much and people jump out. But they're really able to manipulate the currency and extract value out of it that they shouldn't get. And that's kind of a tax on everybody that uses that Federal Reserve type money. And so we try to uh, do away with that and have it so that it's run by system administrators and the governments and the banks have no effect on the actual information system, the monetary system. That's going to disturb the bankers and it's going to disturb the governments because they're going to lose that ability 
to manipulate and basically tax or steal uh, value that they shouldn't have. But as far as civilization goes, it's going to be great for all of us because we're going to have a system that's fair and ethical. When you work hard and you do the right things, you're going to get rewarded for that. And if you're lazy and you don't do any work, you're not going to get rewarded for it. So it's a fair system, and uh, but it's going to certainly be very disruptive. Well, it, you can sense with all the stuff going on today in first world and third world countries everywhere that it would be really disruptive. And that's why I asked the question about how governments would feel. I mean, there was always, even when Bitcoin was coming to the forefront, there was a lot of consternation by governments all around the world about what does this mean? Um, can we control it? So th that's why I asked the question. And, you know, as far as the first world people, one of the problems that they have to you know, solve is that they need to have a device such as a cell phone because it is a digital currency and it requires a device. So assuming that they have cell phones, it's going to allow them to trade all over the world any time of day in an instant. So they could connect to somebody in the first world and they could do work for that person. They don't actually have to go to the country to do the work. And that means that, in theory, everybody's going to be much better off. We're going to be much more efficient, much more productive. The third, uh, the, the third world would get richer, and so would the first world. So I think it's going to, uh, you know, benefit anybody. But of course, the third world—they—they've got governments that want to manipulate everything as well. I'm just thinking about Venezuela, <laughs> and uh, they're going to try to outlaw digital currencies, and uh, but we can be so private about it that they. They will never know. They'll never well, know about speaking it. of private, um, how do people find you? How do people find CloudCoin? Well, they can just Google, either they can Google or search for CloudCoin or search for buy CloudCoin. My company is called Rata Tech. And so we're using the technology beyond a CloudCoin. We're working on uh, national currencies. And we're also working on uh, uh, sec security systems for data storage that will revolutionize things to, so that uh, you know, we want to stop the hack. We want to efficiently store data in a way that people can't censor it or, or shut it down. So that's Rated Tech, and if people want to invest, they're welcome to come to our website and take a look at that too. Yeah, and just as a reminder, uh, we're not a investment show, so we're just for informational purposes only, but I do encourage you to do your due diligence and look up Sean's project. So, Sean, thanks again for being on the regular portion of today's show. Sean Worthington, um, author, professor, and the CEO of the Rata Protocol, as well as the president of the CloudCoin Consortium. Thanks for being here. It's been fun. Thank you. And don't go away, because Sean's going to come right back on The Pivot to talk about one of his books, perfect money, but also what he thinks the future has in store. So if you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, email us at info at svn.biz. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My special guest today has been Sean Worthington, who is the CEO of the Rata Protocol, the president of the CloudCoin Consortium, which we talked a lot about today. Um, he is a professor and also the author of several books, including Perfect Money. Thanks for being here, Sean. Thank you. So we had a great show today. It was very lively talking about your experience and the CloudCoin project. 
and how it's differentiated between a cryptocurrency and blockchain as a technology. Um, I wanted to actually talk about a little bit of the future, but I thought in order to talk about the future, we should first talk about your book, Perfect Money, and how that all fits in. So what is that? So it stems from the idea that monetary systems are information systems and that they play a role of organizing society and that money is data and that basically we need a database. The monetary system needs to have a database. And so there's these rules that are textbook examples of good information systems, three basic qualities. Uh, confidentiality is one of them. Integrity is another and availability. So those are the things you want. When you get into integrity, you get into all of these technical terms like uh, we have entity integrity, we have domain integrity, we've got uh, referential integrity, all of these different things that are very scientific. And so we took those and realized that since we've figured out how to make a perfect information system, we can figure out how to per make a perfect monetary system. Lots of things like, of course, we want to make it so that you uh, that the data data always represents things, and that means that we have no theft, and that we have no loss, and that we have 100% privacy where nobody knows you have the money. They don't know who you do business with. They don't know who's spending what. And we also believe that we needed a fixed supply so that the the amount never grew, and that it might you might turn it into fractions, but it would always say that stay the same and that there wasn't any weird money coming in from outside by miners. And so we did mint the coin. And of course we want it to be efficient and we want it to be so efficient that there's no fees and we want it to transact in seconds. We want it to transact all over the world. And um, we also have a patent and the patent makes sure that you're not gonna have a whole bunch of clones of it. So that's the general theory behind it. That's great. So then um, taking what we talked about earlier with CloudCoin and also uh, if you hadn't heard earlier on the show, we talked about where quantum computing is rapidly advancing, potentially putting all cryptocurrencies and blockchains at risk in terms of being decoded. What does the future look like from here? So in my book, I talk about the future or what, the, what two different futures could look like. One future is with something like the rate of base currency that we've got. The other future is what I call blockchain socialism. And blockchain socialism is already happening in parts of the world. This is where the government creates a currency. It puts everybody on it, forces everybody to join it to be able to trade. They know how much money you have. They know who you trade with. They can take your money automatically through taxation. And if they don't like what you're doing with your money, they can punish you. And so that is blockchain socialism. That's not what we want. And the other thing is what I call perfect money. And that is where uh, the governments cannot even tax you because they, unless you voluntarily give them the taxes and uh, you can, a 10 year old boy can sit in his room and be the chief executive officer of this global corporation. And what this would do is it would take away the interference that we have in our monetary system that causes us to make bad decisions. So for example, price controls or subsidies or uh, a lot of different things that the governments try to do to play with the monetary systems. And of course, theft through inflation. 
And uh, this would allow us to have much more money to invest in technology. And so we would see a boom in, in technology investments. We'd see a much higher quality of life and things would change. We would like, if we want to see a doctor, for example, right now we are constrained, but, uh, but in the future with this type of a money, we could go to any doctor in Russia or where, or where have you and get medical advice. And the same thing with insurance. We could have insurance policies that stretch all across the states and countries and everything. And nobody would even know about it. And so I think that it would be a big, giant change in freedom. And that freedom would make us much more prosperous. So I think that indefinitely in the future, we're going to go towards digital currencies. Now we're going to keep the paper money and the plastic money. That's probably going to stay around for a long time. It's not going away. But digital currency is going to add to the mix. It's going to begin to dominate as people find out that, hey, this is a good place to store your money because there's no inflation and the, and the money probably isn't, even goes up in value. And it gives you the characteristics that you want. No fees, being able to trade all the time. So um, we shall see. But digital currency is our future. It's just how's it going to happen? Which way is it going to go? Thanks, Sean. Thanks for that detailed information. You know, it's funny. I often get anecdotal emails, voicemails from listeners on the concern of where the government's taking uh, cryptocurrency. Back to your point about crypto socialism. And I think that when people really dig into it, understand that there's other projects or other ways to maintain your freedom, I think that gives them um, a huge source of comfort. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm very optimistic and uh, I'm having a great time developing the currency. And I do think a nation like America will adopt a privacy currency that will give the entire world uh, freedom and will be a dominant currency. And, but who knows, maybe that will end up being Russia or something. <laughs> but I, will, I would be happy to make currencies for everybody because uh, these, these are, uh, I think they're going to be liberating. Sean, thanks for being here. I welcome you back in the show sometime. Very good. Look forward to it. Are you listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo? Special guest today has been Sean Worthington, um, author, professor, and the president of the CloudCoin Consortium. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 